Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. You know where to find us. You know where to get us. We're all here. We're all assembled. We're all ready to keep kicking ass at a very long offseason of which we must endure, suffer, and slam through. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host, at Chris Perfett on Twitter. I will be your guide into the world of madness of audio and audio this is a this is an there is a visual medium to twitch but this is primarily a podcast hence why it's called a pod cast and on today's pod cast we're going to be talking about the latest news including the question of whether or not we've been worried about ben johnson for the wrong reasons and maybe aaron glenn might be the one to leave we'll get to that news in a second And of course, because the playoffs are going on, there's no better chance than to start navel gazing a little bit and keep asking the question, could the Lions have beaten any of these losers? And to help me do that, it's Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. Hello, Jeremy. How was it going, Chris? Uh, It was going well right up until Twitch chat decided your green screen needed the uh, Madden version of Mike McCarthy just hanging (laughs) over your shoulder again. Yes. One of the creepiest uh, renderings of an NFL head coach in that the game. Small smile and the black <clears throat> eyes, lifeless yeah. eyes, like a doll's eyes. It really, truly appropriate for for today's funeral of the of the Dallas Cowboys. But not Mike McCarthy. He's still going to be their coach. Which True. is amazing. Uh, Ryan Matthews. Black is the mother- at Ryan underscore pod. Ryan had some spicy takes about these playoffs that we were sharing on the pregame show about uh just how this is all tuned tuned through definitely not the the wild card rounds yeah for sure i have a question though like if mike mccarthy's sticking around can kellen moore stick around did you guys did you guys see steve smith tweet at him (laughs) yes i I did not see this i have to go look this up but yeah Uh, you wanted to describe it (laughs) so essentially steve smith was like hey the you know, Carolina Panthers interviewed Kellen Moore. He better not be the next guy because that play was garbage. <laughs> like <laughs> that, that like high Ezekiel Elliott under center. I it, don't. Yeah, it was the it was the definition of blocker charge. <laughs> it it yeah. I he got he got beat. Like we'll we'll get into that because I think that goes into our question of. Could the Lions have beaten these teams? And, well, you know, this isn't a Cowboys podcast. You know, the Cowboys take over everything. I don't care about Mike McCarthy. I just love that they're probably going to hold on to him. People think 
you know, Jerry Jones is like this wheeling and dealing guy when he's just an old comatose man. But anyway, let's talk about a more lively team, the Detroit Lions, which is why we're all here. And we promised not to front load our BS. So we're going to go straight into the news and notes, which is what we're going to do every first segment. And the big news of the week is, in case you haven't caught it, me and Jeremy, we recorded a mini podcast last week when the news broke about Ben Johnson returning to the Detroit Lions, which was a hell of a party for us. And there was a lot of talk. And I, I we'll, we'll get back into this because I want Ryan's comments on it as well. We'll get back into it. I think there's some questions about Ben Johnson in our mailbag we brought back. But Aaron Glenn still isn't committed to be back. And right now, Aaron Glenn did is maybe interviewing with the Cardinals. Uh, you you have in person probably next to these notes, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. And he, I, I know he's he's on the Colts uh, short list as well. So let's let's not, talk not about short. It. First of all, I wouldn't call the Colts list short. They've interviewed it's, like it's, it's, it's pretty over long, a dozen but it people. is a short list. It is yes. a quote unquote short list by definition. Yes. Yeah. So. Aaron Glenn was scheduled to to interview with the Cardinals uh, this past Saturday. Um, I have not seen any confirmation that the the interview actually happened, which is why I put probably in our in our notes here. So there's there's no reason to believe it didn't happen. But a lot of times you'll either see the the team post like, "Hey, we completed our interview," or you'd see a an insider say, "We that interview has happened." That hasn't been posted yet. Um, and I think part of that is just the the Cardinals are still kind of in the early goings of their coaching process because remember they they signed a gm they they hired a gm first uh, they made that sure that happened first and so i don't i don't really know where aaron glenn kind of fits in that category if, if you look at some of the other guys that, that they're interested in or who they've interviewed uh broncos defensive coordinator a hero evero cardinals defensive coordinator vance joseph cowboys defensive coordinator dan quinn um, former uh, Frank Reich is interviewed there. D'Amico Ryan's the, the 49ers defensive coordinator, Brian Flores and uh, Sean Payton. All those guys are, are confirmed people that they're interested in. So that's a list of eight guys. But the in-person interview always feels like an extra step, right? Like it feels like that's a little bit more intimate. That's a little bit more serious interest. That's the thing that Ben Johnson turned down with the Panthers that we were all afraid of. So I don't think this is a a token interview. I don't think this is a let's just, you know, cast a wide net interview. I think there's legitimate interest there um, with the Cardinals, with the Colts. I who knows? I I, I don't think who knows. And I doubt it. And the Cardinals aren't exactly a team. I feel like who's going to be giving away a pick for Sean Payton. So like or however, whatever the Saints want for him, like I have to keep reminding people that Sean Payton isn't free to go when do and go where he pleases. Whereas someone like Aaron Glenn is. Yeah, I think it's important too. like maybe we can just tie this conversation all together and, and talk about somebody that the Lions did lose, which was uh, Dave Sears, um, their director of college scouting. He went to the yeah. Cardinals and he's an assistant GM. So, <clears throat> I mean, I wonder, I mean, Jeremy, I mean, like you're kind of just like connecting the dots. Right. Um, but is there a possibility that that could possibly entice Aaron Glenn to, to head to Arizona? I, I think what's most enticing, though. I think you can maybe set the Dave Sears stuff aside that it's like a total clean slate, like the new GM, new coach, there's an assistant GM, like they're real. And, and I don't know. I don't know. That seems like the most um, alluring part of of that job specifically. Yeah. I I do wonder what the Dave Sears thing impact, if it does impact things at all. You know, I I do think the front office and the coaching staff are fairly separate departments. I don't know how often Dave Sears is bumping elbows with, with Aaron Glenn, but at the same time, this Lions kind of culture has always also been about collaboration, right? And and working together. And so maybe, maybe they do know each other on a, on a fairly, um, I wouldn't say intimate level, but like, at the very I, least, I say, if you know him enough to have like a working relationship, ship, so like when you put your first foot down on the job, it's not with a complete stranger, right? For sure. And so, will would Dave Sears be a, a guy in in the new Cardinals GM's ear and say, "Hey, I can vouch for this guy. I've seen him command a locker room. I've seen him do this. I've seen him do that." Maybe, but I, I, I think I think whatever influence, it's probably relatively minimal. Um, and I think I think at this point, there's just there's no sign of who's leading the clubhouse. And I, I think a lot of it might just depend on, on, on where this Sean Payton domino falls. And, and maybe that's the first thing that gets all these other jobs starting to fall. Cause we really haven't seen a ton of movement across the board in these five open jobs. And um, 
Yeah, I just I don't know where Aaron Glenn no, stands this, right now. As far as I can remember, this has been the longest since Black Monday where we've had this many jobs open, if I am not completely mistaken. Like it's yeah, been maybe. some of these jobs are just sitting there. I think part of that is just the quality of the jobs that are open. Like, I mean, we're, we're Lions fans. I know, haha, don't throw stones, glass houses, all that. But like, like from from the people who I talk with nationally, these are not good jobs that are open in any capacity. I know like a lot of times the jobs you get in the NFL, they're open because they're bad. But like these are bad and level that we haven't really had for a minute Um, when the best you can say is Carolina. And even then, you know, some of the guys who I talk with nationally talk about, do you really want that job? You're going to have to deal with Tepper as like a meddling owner. So it's, it's rough, but I I think maybe the the main question here, and it's kind of interesting to see how the, the conversation has shifted from last year, but how concerned would you be about Aaron Glenn leaving? Because he was a guy that I, I mean, even after a bad first season in terms of their defensive performance, people were still very much on board with Aaron Glenn and didn't want to see him leave. I think that conversation has shifted a bit with now a second season where the defense hasn't been that good to me. I think I still think it would be a, a big blow, but I don't know. Would Do you guys feel maybe a little bit less, you know, pressure on, on the line shoulders to keep him around another year? Do you want to take it first, Ryan? Cause like I was kind of leading this way, but uh... Ryan, you, oh. were, you were the Aaron Glenn bandwagon leader from the get go. I know. And I think it would be, I think it would be a big loss. I think maybe due in part to Ben Johnson really exploding this, you know, this year, he was obviously the number one, Hey, this guy needs to be here. And you know, it's fine if Aaron Glenn wants to go interview for head coaching jobs. But as soon as Ben Johnson says, yeah, I'm coming back. It it seems like, okay, no, hold on. Aaron Glenn's important too. Like, I I think you want to keep Aaron Glenn in the fold because here's the thing I'll say about the Detroit lions and their defense Aaron Glenn's background is in the secondary and the defensive backs. And I think that's the area where the Detroit Lions need to improve the most. And I think you can account the Lions deficiencies on defense really to their lack of ability on the outside at at corner. And, And so when I think about keeping Aaron Glenn in house, like, that I think that's so important to me because he he did make his bread as a secondary coach in New Orleans, you know, bringing bringing that team up up to speed. And I think losing Aaron Glenn, regardless of the compensation you're going to get in return uh, for losing him, that would be like a tough because I mean I don't know who jumps into that role immediately from Aaron Glenn. Like who is the immediate yeah. successor? Does it seem like it's a little bit? Early for Kelvin Shepard, I, I, I mean, you, you know, already let Aubrey Pleasant go this year too, so like you already have to bring up another DB coach too. Which and and that's the thing with with I mean Aubrey Pleasant was kind of viewed as being the successor. Do you know well, what I mean? Without yeah. without even like Aaron Glenn even you know thinking about leaving Detroit, like we're, we're all the way back to last offseason, we're talking about like, oh, contingency plans for the Detroit Lions, and Aubrey Pleasant was that guy. Well, not, like Chris said, now he's not here. Yeah. yeah, I think there is a bit of a if Glenn left, it would be a bit of a brain drain on the defense. You would probably have to go outside of house to find someone to replace him, which would be a problem because you'd basically be starting from zero on that. And I know that Aaron Glenn's the defense's performance was uh, <clears throat> erratic this year, and we kept going. I kept watching fans go between that they thought the aggression on his defense was fine to just getting really mad and wanting him gone. Uh, Depending on what happened, obviously with in in the course of a game, but there was a lot of times where we talked about plenty of times, Jeremy, where the lions would put up a lot of points, but the defense could not stop that bleeding. And then uh, when that Carolina game happened, everyone wanted Glenn gone. Everyone wanted Glenn gone because that was kind of seen as unconscionable that you let 500 yards from scrimmage being led by, by, by Sam Darnold. But I, you you know me, I don't take one game as the, as the complete whole of it. But I do think that for a fan, from a fan perspective, losing him wouldn't be as big of a confidence blow, but I would say this for Glenn is that Glenn, when we got a good sign of it from, uh, from, from uh, hard knocks as well, like he's an emotional leader as well. Especially when and that 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 defense defense more than offense in the NFL 
is predicated on firing yourself and just getting yourself into a war into a war dance. And he and and Aaron Glenn has so much fire. And when he runs his defense as aggressive as he does, like you're not, I, I don't see that being that that's hard to replace. And I don't know if the next defensive coordinator would really have that kind of fire to him. They won right away, right? Because Aaron Glenn already has this built-in relationship with with these players who absolutely respect the hell out of him. And that's important, right? And that's why he's getting these head coaching gigs um, or these interviews, at least, because he has an ability con- to connect with these players in ways that a lot of people that, who have not played this game can. Um, but I do think there's an underrated wow. aspect, especially here in Detroit, for his ability to game plan. I really do. Because mm-hmm. I, think, I think the first year and a half he was searching and searching and searching for the identity of this defense, for a scheme that worked for these players. And considering they're all young, considering those guys were just kind of figuring out who they are in the NFL, it took some time. But there was a pretty dramatic shift that happened midway through last season where the Lions kind of figured out finally how things work. They, they kind of figured out how the puzzle pieces went into place. And we said it a couple times on the podcast all year. Even from last year to this year, there were only two starters that, that – that carried over if you, if you take out Tracy Walker from the equation. So that's a lot of shuffling of the puzzle pieces. That's you, you finish a puzzle at the end of 2021 and someone comes and knocks it off your table and you have to redo it, the whole thing. And so it's taken time, but here's, here's the thing. Now you have those young defensive players coming back. You, you have your, your, your foundational pieces on defense, you know how it's going to fit together. And so to lose Aaron Glenn, when, when the pieces are finally glued to the table, I, I think that's going to be a pretty significant loss if it happens. And at this point, I don't, I'm not, I'm not at DEFCON two like I was with with Ben Johnson. But it, it it's it's not something. It's I a hurdle. It, it is ignore. A... And and I and, and there are other compensatory picks. I get it. You you get back to back third round picks if if Aaron Glenn goes, and maybe that's why people are a little bit more okay with it this year when they than than they were last year when they wouldn't have gotten those compensatory picks. But I think Ryan brings up the great point. There there does not seem to be a contingency plan in place right now. Maybe you do Todd Wash. He has defensive coordinator experience at least, but, but I don't think that, I don't think you want that to be your long-term goal. I think you like Todd Wash in the role that he currently is and you'd like to find someone else. So they might have to reach out, you know, to, to a different team, to a different, um, an, an exterior hire. And there, there are a lot of teams looking for coordinators right now too. So that, that brings in a lot of competition. I, I want to just put a bow on this by asking a question that maybe none of us answered, but like, Look around in the NFL. Who has been asked to do more with less as far as Aaron Glenn and that defense? Because in his first year, he loses Okuda and he loses Romeo Aquara. And you could have made the argument going into that season that those were the top two players on that defense. And he's dealing with Patricia retreads. Remember Jamie Collins? He was here for like a hot minute still. And I'm just saying that like I think that there – He's doing a lot with a little. He's doing a lot with a little. Penasini retiring kind of threw a a a thing into the mix right away, and I know they got Isaiah Bugs eventually, and and but they had to kind of like fast track him and figure out where he fits into everything too, and that was a key part of the run defense. The the second round pick that you take with Levi, he's he's not playing. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I think real quick, uh, just just real quick, because we got to go on to the other news. The the other part about losing Dave Sears, which you mentioned, like that is your college scouting director which I look, the lions hit it out of the park with the last draft. So I, I no surprise at all that he got poached. I am curious if that continues to that scouting continues to hold true without Dave Sears. I think it probably does, but I just, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating where we were talking here now, two podcasts, three podcasts, really straight of lions. People are getting poached. It's uh, it's new for a lot of us, and I think that's why we're all kind of panicky. But uh, what's not being poached, but is also kind of really cool news, Sean Dion Hamilton is going to be coaching Senior Bowl DB. So I think it's it's really cool news for Sean. Um, and uh, you you have here, I just want to read this note Jeremy has here because I have no clue what it means other than uh, Jeremy just wrote here, Devon Witherspoon more like Witherswoon. <laughs> so I, I have to turn this over to Jeremy to explain all of this. Well, first of all, I think it's it's cool that the Senior Bowl, like even last year, the Senior Bowl 
was playing around with their coaching staff, right? It was, it was the two teams who had the coaching staffs um, of each team. And, and you, you're not allowed to have your head coach be the head coach. You have to have someone be the head coach. Basically you're giving everyone a raise. It's this year they're doing a little bit different where it's just like, Hey, do you have a coach you want to develop? And you're in the NFL. Tell me who it is. And maybe we'll get him on the senior bowl roster. It doesn't matter what team you are on. And so the Lions, Sean Dion Hamilton, who, if you may remember at this point last year was on the Lions roster, trying to, to win a roster spot. Um, and then when he got cut before the, the big cut downs at the end of training camp, they're like, Hey, you want to stick around and just be a coach? And he's like, yeah, sure. And so like, again, this is, this is showing the forethought, I think of this coaching staff of getting those succession plans into place. And so now it's a really cool opportunity for, for Devon Hamilton, Devon Hamilton, Sean Dion Hamilton to, to, already kind of strengthen his, his new career here in the NFL. And it, it'll be an adjustment for him to coach defensive backs when he's a linebacker and a linebackers coach. Um, but Hey, guess what the Lions' biggest need is Ryan defensive back. And now the Lions are going to have a, a nice close up. Have look. A coach at the, at the senior bowl for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the thing we don't know yet is what team he'll be coaching for. And we don't exactly know the full rosters of each team yet. So uh, as much as I like to joke about Devon Witherspoon, who for some reason, like really hit everyone's radar last week, uh, a corner out of Illinois, who's uh, small, but fast and feisty. Um, if, if the Lions get enough close look at him and, and some of the other guys that, that could be at the top of that draft class at cornerback, uh, it's a pretty w- big win for them, I would say. Yeah, I mean, a small, feisty cornerback sounds like somebody I know that coaches the Detroit Lions defense. <laughs> right, right. Sorry, projecting here. Hmm, I like it. I do like it. Yeah, so someone in someone in chat saying Witherspoon has adequate size. Now I'm on board. Now I'm completely on board. I think it's a little ways from the draft, though. So I Senior Bowl is fascinating because we'll keep an eye on that. We'll report from the from the Senior Bowl, but. Uh, we we like to slowly edge in to the draft. It's, it's only two weeks away. Shockingly, the the senior bowl. You mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I know it's kind of slotted in nicely. Well, two weeks away means that like we've got that conference championships in that dead week where it's like senior bowl and pro bowl. Yeah. Yay! And then right. super bowl and then nothing. You've made me really and depressed. And the senior bowl, the actual game, like means nothing, right? It's just about the practices leading up to it. So, yeah. True. Yep. But speaking of playoffs, I think we want to do a little bit of a mental exercise. It's something that I think I've seen across a lot of Lions fans asking this. And I think we've been asking it ourselves, watching these playoffs come come unglued in a few places. If the Lions had made these playoffs, how how well would they have done against this current cohort? of playoff teams. We're going to go through it all. We're going to give our hot takes. We're going to base this on absolutely nothing except our own Kool-Aid. We're going to have fun with it. And coming up a little bit later, the mailbag is back, which means Ryan has his favorite roll back. Yay. He's just giving me a blank stare. Thumbs up. He gave me a thumbs up. (laughs) So we'll be right back in the pride of Detroit POD cast. But first we got to tell you about righteous felon. You know what I like about righteous felon? What's that? It's meat. It soothes your throat. I would hope it soothes my throat. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, as I can hear me gawking like this, I am coming off like RSV slash flu, whatever this thing is that's been going around. If you would, if you would believe me, I'm actually like better this week. This is like right now is like the best I've been. But <clears throat> let's talk a little bit more about Righteous Felon through my coughing, which I will not edit out of this podcast. Now I'm editing it twice out of the podcast, but not out of this one. So Righteous Felon craft jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen's Park. That's right. Righteous Felon is the, it fuels your Detroit Lions. So you can eat the meat that the Lions eat. Each two ounce bag of protein. How many grams of protein, Jeremy? Pop quiz. I don't know, but I, I thought of something that I don't want to say out loud. 16 to 20, <laughs> 16 to 20. You failed the test. Ryan Matthews, our teacher. How much is in each eat meats in how many grams of protein in each meat stick? I'm going to say 20. Eight. That's Going not enough. They need to well, up those. Well, that's why you eat two meat sticks. You just go, you order, you get, you get, you get more. Fist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're the adult slim gyms. They're great. If it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you. So they're based in Westchester, Westchester, Pennsylvania. 
They use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef and pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond stereotypical offerings. So yes, you could get the Habanero, which is fantastic. The Habanero Escobar is probably one of my favorites, but they also have truffle flavor. They also have turkey jerky. They also have beer infused. Isn't that what we're doing these days? We're infusing everything with beer? Why wouldn't we? Guess what? We've got a promo code for you too. EOD15. It's you 15% off your meat stack. Some people have those mind stacks or whatever the, the stacks is for those mental drugs. We got you a meat stack. Get your meat stack together. Save 15% on it with POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. We'll be right back on the Pride Detroit POD guest. Right, Detroit POD cast back at it again at the Krispy Kreme. I could really use some Krispy Kreme right now, actually. That actually, damn it, I made myself really hungry. <laughs> Speaking of, well, you know why I'm hungry is because I was not satisfied from these playoffs over the weekends. Yeah. Uh, this divisional round was not great, Jeremy. I was really excited for really all of the games. And I don't know if there was a single one that really lived up to expectation. I think I think San Francisco Dallas was probably the, the good one to end on. It was fine. <laughs> But uh, it was yeah, competitive, but not in a very good way. Neither of those two teams, mm-hmm. I thought, played particularly good football. Like maybe it was more of a defensive game. Micah Parsons yeah. was being shot out of a cannon repeatedly. But I, I thought the only game that really endeared me was the Eagles game. And that's just because the Eagles did exactly which is what I wanted the Eagles to do, which was to put the uh, the face plant on the on the New York Giants. For sure. Other than that, I wasn't even, I don't know, Ryan, like I, I didn't read, well, we're leaving the AFC alone because it's not part of our topic, but, you know, Bills and Bengals was fine, I, I guess. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that game, and I thought it was just the most interesting and fascinating game of the of the week because of the spread. Like, I, I thought the Jacksonville, Kansas City game was competitive, right? Like, I mean, it sure. was back and forth. It was close. Um, part of that was quarter. that, you know. Patrick Mahomes was playing on one leg for sure. Right. So that, that definitely knocked it down a peg. I I actually thought the Cincinnati game was just really entertaining for the fact, like I said, you had a a, a team that was the underdog. It, it got all the way up to plus six. And I don't understand why that number got to that point. Other than people thinking the conspiracy theory was going to be true that the NFL wanted the neutral site AFC championship game <laughs> so bad <laughs> That they stuffed it with a referee and this and that and the other thing. And uh, Detroit what does versus Burrow, every, what Detroit does Joe Burrow every, go and do? What's he do? Goes out, beats the Bills, and then his first quote, like when he gets off the field, is like, they got to refund some money. They got to refund those, get those refunds. Like, <laughs> I love him. I, I love how he's committed to the Stogies now, too. He's like, I'm going to smoke him after every, every time we do this, guys. I'm going to do it. Be ready. But leaving the AFC alone and getting back to the NFC, the reason why we bring up the these playoffs in particular is now we've watched a lot of these NFC games. And to Jeremy's point about some of these NFC games, they weren't great over the weekend, which is once again led us back to the to the well watered well. Wow, I'm a I'm a wordsmith. That I think a lot of fans are asking: Could the Lions have been, like if the Lions had made the playoffs, they could have beaten most of the teams that lost over the weekend. And we're talking about Cowboys, Giants, Buccaneers, Seahawks, Vikings. Now, granted, I don't think a lot of this would apply. I mean, if if we were being realistic about this, the Lions would have slotted in as the seventh seed, which meant they would have been paired up against the San Francisco 49ers. Yep. And I've had arguments with fans and other people in media back and forth for a couple weeks now because the Seahawks were competitive for a half against the San Francisco 49ers before the 49ers promptly put them in the ground. And I know a lot of people said, well, we would have had a better offense than the the Seahawks had. And I said, sure, granted, I don't think you're I don't know what they would have done defensively against the 49ers. 
Brock Purdy, I thought, played better in that in that Seahawks game. But then it came up again because the Seahawks didn't play particularly well against the Cowboys. So we're, we're, we're are we are we overestimating it a little bit or how, like after watching these playoffs, are you getting the same sense, Jeremy, that the more you watch the NFC, it's like, yeah, the Lions, they made it. They could have beaten this team or they could have beat that team. They could have done this, that, that, the other thing. I, I mean, if they were the seventh seed, I think they would have gotten bounced in the first round. But I, th- I think the overall point, though, is a lot of people went into these playoffs even thinking this, where they're like, the, the Lions are probably right now the fourth or fifth best team in the NFC. And yeah. I think I think that is proving to be true because the Giants may have beat up on the Vikings, but the Lions beat up on the Vikings. And then the Giants faced a real team and got their, their, their butts kicked. They got their, their teeth kicked in. And that's against an Eagles team that Lions are pretty competitive. I know that was all the way back in week one, and both teams are, are, are very different at this point in the season. I, I'd say both are probably even better than they were in week one. So I, I, I don't know how the Lions would match up against the Eagles. I don't think they would beat the Eagles, especially in Philly. But I think I think these playoffs more or less proved that they're probably better. They were, At least by the end of the season, they were better than the Vikings, which we knew because they beat the Vikings. They were better than the Giants, which we knew because they beat the Giants. They were better than the Seahawks, which we didn't officially know, but we had a pretty good feeling given the trajectory of both teams headed. And then you're left with maybe the Cowboys. Are they better than the Dallas Cowboys? And that is one where I'm not quite ready to cross yet. I know we're all laughing at them today, and rightfully so. Because I do think that was a very talented roster that had a very good opportunity. And I think they gave it to the 49ers for a lot of that football game. But then Dak let them down. And the question is, are the Lions a team that could have exposed a bad Dak Prescott? Or would they have just gotten run over by the Cowboys offense? Because the further and further we get away from the Lions regular season, I feel like there's a little bit of whitewashing happening with how bad the defense was. And yes, it was better towards the end of the season, but it wasn't yet good. And so... Their offense would have been good and competitive, but also that it's a, that's a really good pass rush. And and how how would Jared Goff and the Lions offense do against a good pass rush? I don't know. So all to say is I think Philly's a better team than than the Lions. I think I think San Francisco's probably a better team than the Lions. I think, but I th- I think like we're talking like that like that's the end of the list there where it's just like okay now we're talking about a a group of teams that are the Cowboys, the, the lions, maybe the giants. And that like that for the second tier in the NFL. And that's where we're headed going into 2023. Well, that's where the lions are going into 2023. And we're not even talking about an off season full of additions. Sure. And I know that will include some subtract subtractions as well, but I, I think, I think about this too, like the, Yes, the Lions lost pretty decisively to the Dallas Cowboys earlier this season, but totally different football teams, night and day football teams. I mean, the you know the Lions are without Amon Ra for almost the entire game. There's no DJ Shark. There's no Jamison Williams. You know what I mean? Like at that point, uh, and there's no DeAndre Swift in that game either. Like, I don't know. Like they, I, they were prepared to take the lead in that game in the fourth quarter before Jamal Williams fumbled at the one yard line. I know. So yeah, th- there's plenty to be said a- about that. I think decidedly you can say that head and shoulders above, like you said, the giants and the Vikings Seahawks debatable just because they seemed like they were a team that was kind of uneven too in their performances, but sure. you d- you didn't know which team was going to show up at, at any given time. So I do think they would have had a shot at the Cowboys, though. I really do. Like, their propensity to to create turnovers and to take care of the football, that, that's what made them such a dangerous team down the stretch. And, yeah. I do think they would have absolutely exploited the Cowboys by defeating their their offense. I, I'm just curious how the, the Lions offense would have dealt with a threat like Micah Parsons. Yeah. Like and and some some of that some of their own defense. It would have probably been a low scoring game at the end of the day. And like, look, I think there's credit to Jared Goff and that in the offense on how well they protected the ball down the stretch too. I think they would have probably would have game planned around just avoiding the pass rush, just getting the ball out quickly to just avoid that. So I think it's and and yeah, after watching what happened the weekend, I can guarantee tell you that Dan Campbell absolutely will out would have out coached Mike McCarthy in that game. Sure. 100% would have outcoached Mike McCarthy. Yeah. I the, I can't say 49ers, though. The 49ers yeah. have 
way too many weapons on offense. Like yeah, every time, they're, like they're, I, they're showing you that having Mister Irrelevant at quarterback doesn't matter in Kyle Shanahan's offense. They are like, the one team that I can think of in the modern era that like they just don't need a quarterback. And they traded up to get one, which is yeah. the most wild thing. Yeah, it, it's almost like quarterback is uh, what's the word irrelevant in their offense. Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> you guys want to talk about anything else? <laughs> well, well, I just here, and here here's one topic I yeah. want to bring up because if, if the Lions are in this kind of second tier of NFC teams behind the Eagles, behind the 49ers, and maybe that's it. If they're in that second tier with the Cowboys, with the Lions, with the Seahawks whatever NFC North NFC South team you want to throw in there. Maybe, maybe the Vikings, maybe the Packers, how cl- uh, can they, can they jump into the one tier in one more off season? Like, d- will it just take this off season for them to potentially be in that conversation already? I'm, I'm worried. We're a little bit fast tracking it, but I know at the same time, Jeremy, our expectations here has been not just making the playoffs next year. It's been div- the division crown for the so- NFC North. Which I I just I I don't know, man. That that sounds great in theory on paper, but we've always seen that when the rubber hits the road, there's always something that hiccups it and makes it kind of derail a little bit. But to your point, and I think Ryan can speak on this, I did see the early 2024 Super Bowl odds, and right now the Lions stand at plus 3,500, which is tied for 10th best right now. And again. Vegas numbers are Vegas numbers, but that indicates kind of where people are buying in on it. So Ryan, like, I don't like, are you asking me if the Lions, are you asking me if the Lions are a top 10 football team heading into next season? I kind of am. I kind of, is that the public perception before we've even done a draft or free agency or anything else? Is that the perception that the Lions are going to be top. Well, if we're talking playoffs next year, we're talking higher than top 10. We're talking top seven. There's really something in me that wants to tell people, if you do want to bet on the lions winning the or Super top, Bowl, wait, you should do it now. See, I'm an idiot. You, you should do it now before that number gets worse for you. The gambler. <laughs> are you offended that, that the Packers are higher? Cause I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's outrageous. That is kind of outrageous. It's not much better, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I I do want to say that heading into next season, I think the lions will, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to fence it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to teeter totter heading into next season. The Detroit lions will be a top 10 football team. They might be 10, but they, they're going to be a top 10 football team. What, what rank them in the NFC? They're behind the 49ers. They're behind the Eagles. Three seed, got it. Cool. Three seed in the playoffs. Book your home playoff t- playoff tickets right now. <laughs> it seems out these, of control. It things, just seems out of control. It seems no, it, it does, it, but might. it doesn't to me. Because here's the thing. It, it's not often there, there were three teams that went worse to first this year, the the Jaguars, the Giants, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, worse to to playoffs, I should say last. And then so it was the Giants. It was the Seahawks and and it was the Jaguars. I think you you essentially throw the lines in that same bucket. They didn't technically make the playoffs, but they came pretty darn close. And so it's not you, you don't really go worst to competitor in in one offseason it very rarely happens it happened with the Bengals that's about it I think last year was that step to worst to decent team playoff competitor I think making a jump from playoff competitor to actual competitor it's a it's a tougher jump but it happens in in one offseason it can very much happen in one offseason I'm not saying it will I think Chris you're right like we we all lay out kind of a golden path for the offseason say, wow, like, look what they have ahead of them. Everything's going to be great. Well, it's, it's also that I works. think, yeah, I, I think the other thing is that we are assuming downward trajectory for almost all these teams and upward trajectory for the Lions. Like, like it, and it's one thing to say upward trajectory for the Lions, which is true, but there's just this assumption that like, yes, the Vikings will get much worse. 
right. or like they, they are worse and they will continue to get worse, that the Cowboys will continue to get worse. There, there's just the assumption that everyone will suck more and we will be more awesome. Right. And, and maybe they, part of that is true, but I also think there's going to yeah. be some other teams that are going to jump into that conversation as well. Like the Giants are going to keep getting the, the Giants Agreed. are one of those teams yes. that is going to be on an upward trajectory. Agreed. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a very important point to point out. And and I think, there, like you said, there are some legitimate reasons to believe the lines are headed in the right direction. While, you know, some teams are going to be in some cap trouble and some people are going to have to have some difficult decisions with, with certain players and bring them back in the lines relatively ha- healthy in their cap situation. But I, I think the biggest thing working in the Lions' favor is what we talked about at the top, which is like they have this extremely young core of players on both sides of the ball, which, I mean, you hope this isn't always how it works out, but you hope your hope your young players continue to get better. And and it can go either way, right? Trajectory is not always on an upward path. Young players don't always get better. Sometimes they get worse and fall out of the league. Um, but when you have a young core and 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 more young investments to make in, in you know, four picks in the first two rounds then you're like, okay, well, this team is, it should get better. It has the resources to get better. Um, and, and, and the young players that they do have are, are, are sticking around. There's not going to be a ton of roster turnover. There's going to be more additions than there are going to be subtractions. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it would make logical sense for me to, to take a Lions team, which I think we can all agree was probably in the, I don't know, 12 to 16 range, probably at the end of the season both by record and by DVOA and by whatever you want to throw out there to make a jump from 12 to 16 to top 10. That is not crazy to say again, that's a tougher jump. It's always a tougher jump to be in that huge group of, of mediocre teams to an elite team. But given the lines resources, given the age of their roster, given the trajectory of, of how they were playing at the end of the season. Yeah. This team should be a top 10 team next season. Should Absolutely. I don't, you you really don't have to look any further than the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals go four and eleven, and one, and then the next season they're in the Super Bowl. And they had they had a second year before that too, though. Though there was like it was it was three years for the Bengals. Yeah, but it was it was yeah, but the the Joe Burrow season got cut short. Right, his rookie season got cut short, and so the the thing with the Bengals, and I know it's Burrow, but like you see, like it happens in a hurry. And if, because that team that went to the Super Bowl was only 10 and seven, like they went into Tennessee and they beat the number one team. And then they went and beat the chiefs in the AFC championship game. Like I, I just, I just think that like for, for the lions, like I think people kind of, like, here's the thing. I don't think the lions were, capable of knocking off the Eagles or the 49ers. So like, I don't think that if they would have snuck in the playoffs this year, that they would have been ready for that level of success immediately, kind of like the Bengals did. But you're talking about going from being that nine and eight team, like you said, Jeremy, to going to being a team in the mix, a competitor without being in the playoffs. It's a crazy jump to assume, but they have so many resources, so many resources where they don't have to count on all those guys necessarily to to take another big leap. Like they're, they they could be drafting guys. They could be drafting guys that come in and make a big difference. Let's drink the Kool Aid right now while we still can. Yeah, while we still can. We're still, still kind can. of asking. We got we still... got seven months of Kool Aid drinking Jeez. to go. I, I think all we've done is drink Kool Aid. <laughs> yeah, I, be excited about your football team. It's headed in the right direction. You know where what direction we're heading in. We're bringing back the mailbag, baby. It's not enough to just have one mailbag podcast where people have apparently been saying, oh, Jeremy and Eric, they only take like five questions. So we're going to add more of that because I think Ryan wants some questions. And I I think it's a great point in this next segment, too, on like. We should also get uh, Ryan's thoughts on some of the stuff that we, Jeremy and I have talked about with Ben Johnson. I think we've got a question to do that. So we'll take a quick break. Come back with the mailbag. It's mail time and Ryan has his title back. Sackmaster General? Mail time. 
hashtag ask POD, send us all your questions, but please understand right now, especially since it's still January, the last thing on our brain is draft and free agency. Especially when it comes to specific defensive names, asking what I think about them on or where they go or what, what, what I should feel about the Lions trying to sign them is not a place I don't think we'll we've there. ever been, Jeremy. We, we, we'll, we've never been there. Like we said, you say we'll get there, but that's never something we've ever done. Yeah, I know. But at some point, we we have to at least dip our toe in that. And I understand, like, what else are we going to talk about? Like, there's, yeah. there's nothing between now and then. But there is a bunch of time. And I think we just haven't really prepared our mind and our bodies yet for mm. free agency and draft talk, considering those are two and three months away. Do you, do you guys kind of blame <laughs> Ben Johnson for the reason why we have to figure out stuff to talk about? <laughs> I think it's kind of his fault. I, you know, it's funny enough you say that because I think that's your first question in the mail sack, Ryan. Oh, okay. Let's you don't have a question. Sh- shall I? No, shall no, no, I- no, no, no. I was just being adequate. It's fine. Okay. Um, so from Aaron one seven on Twitter, he asks, "Where uh, we're all glad that Johnson is coming back, but does it create any concerns about the long term viability of the rebuild? If just the possibility of losing a coordinator causes that much concern?" Now, I wanted to do this first because, Ryan, I, I think like Jeremy and I, we jumped on emergency stream when Ben Johnson came back. But I, this is something I think Jeremy and I talked about because we were talking about, you know, an extra year of Ben Johnson gives the Lions more time to, you know, start to build that contingency towards having someone coming up who can eventually be the successor for Ben Johnson. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it was something I think we discussed a little bit, Jeremy, about this idea of. You know, it's it's a concern putting this this much into a coordinator, this much confidence around a team about whether or not that coordinator remains with Detroit. So, Ryan, just your I, I guess I'm kind of kicking it to you for this question, but also just overall thoughts on, you know, kind of the plan moving forward, because Ben Johnson's going to be on coaching radars again next year, too. Yeah, I, I don't think I would feel comfortable saying the Detroit Lions are a top 10 football team had Ben Johnson left. I don't. And, and, and I think I say that pretty plainly because we just saw the lions do something offensively that they hadn't done in their franchise's history. No Matthew. I mean, not Matthew Stafford, not Calvin Johnson, not Barry Sanders, none of those guys. And the Detroit lions had an offensive season where they were absolutely dynamite and they were still shorthanded. They were shorthanded with Deandre Swift injuries. They didn't get Jamison Williams. They missed time with DJ shark. Like, the, the, the Lions were still hamstrung and they still figured out ways to get it done. And I think a lot of that credit belongs to Ben Johnson. And that doesn't mean, though, that when Ben Johnson leaves, that that window immediately slams shut. I needed to see another season for me to have belief like, OK, like if the Lions can do this twice, I know Ben Johnson will have a lot to do with it. But if the Lions can start to stack these seasons and they can sustain the success and they have their offensive line intact, like let it rip. Then, 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 then I think that the lions can have sustained, you know, excellence at that, at that side of the ball. Yeah. The, and, and the one thing that I, we, we, we mentioned last week, Chris, and I, I think it begs repeating is Dan Campbell has had his hand in this the entire time. Right. He had his yeah. hand in it when when they they uh, demoted Anthony Lynn. He had his hand in it. I'm sure a bunch this offseason when when transitioning full time to to Ben Johnson. And, and I, I think there was the have... questions. There was the questions uh, uh, right before about whether or not he'd even still be calling plays or he trusted Ben Johnson to call plays. Right. Yeah. Like that I, was a decision he was making. Sure. Sure. I th- I think he probably knew all along that Ben Johnson was going to call the plays and he was playing the media yeah. a little bit. But yeah, like that was always part of the consideration because he's always been kind of intimately involved in all that sort of stuff. So if Ben Johnson eventually leaves the picture, I trust Dan Campbell, not, not necessarily to take the reins of the offense, but at least find someone that he knows someone within the staff, or, you know, if he does an internal promotion to oversee that kind of transition, because he knows what he wants. He, he, he is kind of the, he has that aggressive mindset that, that I think a lot of people are attributing to Ben Johnson. I think the backbone is really, Dan Campbell. And, and the other thing I wanted to say about this is it was, it was news that, that came down late last week that we didn't talk about on the podcast. Lions sweeten the pot. 
right? They, they gave him a big promotion. And mm-hmm. so I, I think I think maybe I want to talk a little bit about that and what that tells you guys about the Lions' seriousness, Ben Johnson's uh, commitment to coming back, and and maybe, just maybe, a sign that ownership, you, you can't say that they won't, you know, put a little a little a little moolah behind this franchise. Well, I think it, I think that goes back to what Dan was saying about Sheila at the after the final game. We saw the locker room yeah. celebration after the Packers game and he handed an extra game ball to Sheila Hamp who was in there in the locker room and he said straight up it's like this year whatever we needed ownership got us like you know they, they uh, Sheila would Sheila would come to us and be like what do you need I'll get it for you. Yeah. And to me the idea that they sweeten the pot to keep Ben Johnson that just reaffirms it. What do you need? We need to keep our hot shot offensive coordinator from getting poached for uh, and keep us from growing in year three. What what's going to help you with that? Kickback. And yeah. Sheila did it. I mean, yeah, j- just this offseason too. The other the other sweetening of the pot for for really the entire franchise of, of getting them what they need. Changing the turf this month too. A lot a lot of Lions players were pissed off about the turf that they had in Ford Field. So. Two two big scores for Sheila Hamp this month. And, and I was going to say the other thing, too, is did you guys see the headline and the quote from Anthony Lynn where he was talking about, like, the resources in San Francisco, like they're an organization that will do whatever it takes? He didn't go back to the Lions to take a dig. He, like, went back to the Chargers to take a dig. So mm-hmm. it's like clearly, I mean, the last place you were in was Detroit. I mean, that might be the most freshest in your mind, but – he was and he like, certainly wouldn't be alone of of former people taking digs of the Lions. That is sure. a well-oiled ground. Yeah, so. Kudos to Lions ownership. When was the last time we get to say that without people just shitting on us for talking about the Fords in a positive manner? Oh, God. All right, next question. You got Ryan. Oh, I'm still asking questions. I'm asking all the questions. I forgot how I did You're this. So, oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, th- I, f- I thought it was round robin. I I, whatever. Okay, so uh, at GV Laker 25 on Twitter, uh, he asks, over under for Lions primetime games next season. Pretend the Vegas line is four. So no hook. And this does not include Thanksgiving. I, I think, think that's I, high. I think that's th- really high. That is that's very high. high. Um, if I we, was going to reset the line at something, I, maybe I was more real. So I, I'm curious about this because Jeremy and I were talking. I think it would be one and a half or two. And Jeremy thought it was going to be two and a half or uh, two or two and a half. So where do you fall, Ryan? Yeah, I th- this funny enough, Jeremy, this reminded me of like somebody when they asked us a question about how many pick sixes Jeff Okuda would have in a season. And they set the over under at like two and a half. And I was like, dude, hold on. this Those rarely happen. He got one. He did get one to, to his credit. <laughs> and I think we were like, we would set the total at a half and we'd take the under. So we're idiots. Um, <laughs> but I would probably set this at one and a half. Okay. If you're not counting Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think the Thanksgiving thing is a big thing. And like as, as big as a story, the lions has been, we've seen enough to know that when the, when the, the networks come in and declare their primetime games, they're going for the big brands these days. It doesn't matter how bad the Cowboys or the Packers might be, that's what's going to load up Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night with Amazon. They're going to want, like, they they all went to the, to the Broncos until they couldn't because the Broncos are a massive fan base. And as big as the Lions are and how much good press they got them, that probably puts them in, like, a tier with, I, I don't know, I'd have to see their schedule for next week if they have a matchup with one of those big teams, Ryan. But I think... I, I think I would go one and a half and I'd go over. I think they'll get two. I think we'll get a Monday night. And well, the other problem too, is that they, they don't get Thursday night games. Lions right. don't get Thursday are never scheduled on Thursday night because of Thanksgiving. So it takes them out of the running for one of them, but I think they'll get a Monday night and a Sunday night. Uh, the, I, the only other thing I want to say is like you, you have to take Germany off the table too, in case that happens. Cause that would be we, like the, around the we, same time as a London. Game. Should we revisit that? We were talking about that during a break, Jeremy, about like the, the idea of the lions playing an international game seems yeah. kind of high. Yeah. The, the chiefs are the only possibility of the teams because they did announce the international uh, host teams this year, all five of them. And, and the, the chiefs are the only team the lions play this year. And you know, I did a little research and, and the Lions are are the team that the Chiefs are playing that has not been to 
uh, an international game in the longest time. I think it's been seven years, it's 2015, eight years. Um, so it's it's been a while. The Lions are due. Um, I think Lions versus Chiefs would be a fascinating game. But if we're talking primetime and we're not counting that, even though that'd be a nationally televised game, I think the minimum is two. I think it's either two or three. Um, because I think the Lions have earned that. I think I think they're a fun team. I think I can't tell you how many times this year non-Lions fans on Twitter are like are, are saying, wow, Lions are a really fun team right now. Even when they were one in seven, remember? That offense was crazy. And people are like, the Lions are super fun. Like they're everyone predicted they were going to turn it around and then they did. Uh, and, and so now they're playing at a good level. They've got a, a, an enthusiastic head coach. They've got a good storyline. They've got a, a, an underdog feel to them. I, I think that pulls nationally. I, I, I really do. And so I, I think they get two. So I would take the over on the one and a half, two and a half to me is a, is a trickier line. Um, the, the, the thing working in their favor, actually both working in their favor and not working in their favor is their away schedule is great. They've got a lot of really intriguing matchups, including the chiefs game, chargers, bucks, Cowboys, Ravens, all decently good teams. Um, at least how they finished in 2022. Unfortunately, they're, they're home schedule. So if you're looking for like a home primetime game, your non-conference games are Falcons, Panthers, Broncos, Raiders, Seahawks. Rough. Yeah, they so, might get Broncos. I don't know. That seems that's I, that depends when. I think the the NFL learned their lesson with the Broncos this year. I think maybe, they are coming into maybe. 2023 highly I think skeptical the Bron- of putting them on. on the Broncos primetime. will get at least one prime time though. They'll get say, at least one prime time. I say go Lions Packers. Lions Packers prime time in Detroit. We we've I had think, a couple I prime time they games. Make it a tradition. Lambeau, bring it into Detroit this year. I was gonna say, I think with the success, like that that Lions Packers game was incredibly well watched. Yeah. In spite of everyone being like, oh, why they put him in prime time? The Lions, you know, the Lions don't have anything to play for because the, the Rams lost. That was incredibly well watched. I think you're right. I think the schedule makers have learned the lesson is like, hey, Packers Lions sells probably about as well as like Bears, Bears, Packers. Pinfoil hat theory. The Detroit Lions are going to play in Germany because that was the concession. One of the concessions that they made in order to host the draft in 2024. That and hard knocks. Yeah. Package deal. Mm. I like it. Just thinking. I don't know. Just thinking. All right. Next question. I know I handle these now. So, okay. That's right. All right. You are the Uh, captain now. At BTW the numbers on Twitter, they ask, are we being fooled that the Detroit Lions don't put a lot of value in tight end? They continue to say, I wonder if the Hawk trade was about fit slash contract slash quote unquote their guy rather than true perspective on the position. The quote unquote tight end by committee produced tight end or touchdowns, but I wonder if the fall on the running game was related. It's an interesting thought, and I think part of this uh, dates back to our, our mailbag podcast last week where Eric and I both declared that tight end might be literally the the lowest on this regime's uh, positional need pyramid, um, which I, I stand by. Um, but I, 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 there's definitely truth to what, what he said about Hawkinson, right? I think, I think the Lions just were not prepared to pay him the kind of contract that he's going to get either in Minnesota or, or wherever he goes next. Um I don't know though. I, I I just I don't know if this team thinks they need a tight end weapon. I think the ultimate equalizer in that regard is that they've got they have good pass catching a good pass catching running back in Swift, and they've got a slot guy like Amon Ross St. Brown. I know neither of those are tight ends, but those are kind of and and Amon Ross St. Brown does a lot of blocking for you as well. So I feel like those are roles that you're looking for in a tight end, usually, especially now in in the modern day. And it's something I think they would like to have. But to that point, I, I feel like those roles are being already handled very well by other members of the offense skill, skill groups. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, may I, and, and like, look, I, I don't know. I don't know if the running back by committee will work for another year, but it's I think I think it boils down to the question is, are you going to spend a top draft position or high free agency money to fill to fulfill that that 
that hole, I it's hard to find a top 10 tight end out there. So it I is. just I, I don't know if they want to keep going back to that well without a clear candidate in mind. I think I think it's tough to to parse exactly how good the Lions tight end crew was this past year because you, you look at tight end numbers, touchdown numbers, and I, I feel like that's not a great way to evaluate how these players are playing. I think a lot of reason that the touchdown numbers were high were play design, right? Is is you're you're not expecting a lot out of Brock Wright and Shane Zilstra until you sneak those guys out and they're wide open. And so you, I don't do you really give credit to the tight ends for doing that? I mean, maybe, but not not a ton. Um, and in terms of run blocking and pass blocking, they were just kind of so-so. I don't think they were great. I don't think they were horrible. Um, and so the question is, are the lines okay with that? Are they okay with just kind of getting by at tight end? Or was the reason why they were that way this year just because they didn't have the resources and they thought getting anything for, for TJ Hawkinson instead of nothing was worth it. And so, I mean, would this offense be better with a bigger tight end threat? Sure. And maybe they're hoping James, I mean, we can't like overlook James Mitchell as, as a potential option to be a tight end one in this offense. Didn't do much as rookie season, but didn't have a ton of playing time working back from that ACL. So if, if the basis of this question is kind of subvertively asking, will this team draft a tight end in day one or day two. I mean, maybe, but I I still think it's probably pretty low on the totem pole in terms of things that need to get fixed. I'm not aware of this class being a very good tight end class other than like the Notre Dame kid mayor. I, I don't know. I I don't know. I I've I've seen the history. I think, I think I saw, saw Brugler say he thought it was deep this year, Um, but I I, I can't, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot. So the, the point, though, I think that's most salient is that the run game was not good in the in the second half of the season, and that's not going to sit well with this with this regime. And so I don't I don't know if that's okay. Let's just get right guard short up. Let's let's bring in a tight end that that is a devastating blocker, or maybe we got to switch things up with our scheme. But I think that is the biggest argument to maybe getting an upgrade at tight end is to, is to help out that running game that was not very productive down the, down the stretch. Yeah. I, when, when you look at the Lions' offense though, I think Jeremy, the, the one quote that has always stuck with me is that quote about the front door of the offense. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that is the tight end that they need that could really unlock something. And I view that guy right now as being who Kabinda is. And I, I hate to say it, but like if the Lions could upgrade from Kabinda, then I think that would that would change what they can do as far as having that tight end. Because really, if you have a super athletic tight end, like look at what the 49ers do with with you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if if the Lions, but how much of that is a luxury, right? right. Like how much of that is a, is a luxury thing? Like the Lions can get by with Kabinda, but maybe it's like you said, hey, we solidify the right guard position or. You know, hopefully Frank gets healthy because I I really don't think that the second half woes of the running game, I don't think I don't think it would have been much different if TJ Hawkinson was here, right? Like I, right. I don't think anybody's suggesting that because what did he do when he went to Minnesota? He he proceeded about wide eighty percent of the time, <laughs> right? Like he proceeded to go out there and he proceeded to have um one two three four games with double digit targets in an offense that features Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook like the guy went out there to catch footballs he didn't go out there to block yep so I think that's ultimately what it is too is like it's the this offense puts more on the tight end blocking yeah and and you you could tell that they weren't completely happy with that by the amount of times they started using that six offensive lineman towards the end of the year, I feel like it increased a little bit as the season went on. So, I mean, maybe that's a, a, an area you can upgrade instead is, is instead of using Dan Skipper out there and, and, you know, it was, a, it, it was a, it was a big season for Dan Skipper, even though he wasn't great. Um, it, he hit a lot of milestones, but I think you can upgrade there too. So don't, don't throw out an offensive tackle as a, as a day two or day three pick, because I think the Lions need some depth there. Oh my gosh, we're talking about the Lions drafting for depth. Amazing, what are we doing? I know. <laughs> Progress. Progress. Crazy zone. Well, what's not crazy is that we're done.
This is the end of the Pride of Detroit POD cast for this week. We'll be back next week with more fascinating news, conversations where we yell at each other, and all the rest. So make sure to be subscribed. Mailbag podcast is coming as well. And uh, scraps this week. Promise you the scraps this week if I'm not in a hospital for my coughing, which I should not be, but uh, this is week three of it. So until then, for myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews, we'll see you star side. That was a lot better. Yeah, you didn't like you didn't like the other one. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.